This is the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, episode 151. Hey, thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So here's the thing. If you want some help setting up your marketing, specifically installing the tools and a system that continually brings in extra listings and sales, we're now accepting private clients. And if we make the decision to work together, you'll be getting proven ideas, an abundance of resources, and some bankable accountability. If you head over to topagentsplaybook.com forward slash private, you'll find a short letter where I share more about the kind of agents we're looking to work with in our private client group. So if you think we might be a fit, I've included a short form so I can learn a bit more about your business and we can set up a time to talk personally. Once again, that's topagentsplaybook.com forward slash private. Thanks so much and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, the very best tips, tools, and ideas from real estate's top performers. Now, here's your host, Ray Wood. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Well, I think you'd be looking far and wide to find anyone with more passion, energy, drive, and enthusiasm than Harcourt's USA number one auctioneer, Ben Brady. But there's more to the story. So far in his career, Ben has sold more than $4 billion worth of property under the hammer. And a little over five years ago, Ben and his team spearheaded the Harcourt's attack into the US, setting up in Los Angeles, California. I don't want to dwell on it, but do you have any idea how massive that is? I think it's the real estate equivalent of getting a bunch of football supporters to start following another team. It requires something way beyond normal selling skills, but as you'll hear in a moment, Ben is well beyond normal with the ability to overcome seriously huge setbacks and challenges that would probably make you and I head for the bar. As I'm thinking through this intro, I'm looking to highlight takeaways that you can apply to your business, and as you're about to find out, they're everywhere. The challenges to pull something like this off are nothing short of phenomenal, starting with Ben's ability to surround himself with an impressive real estate auction and marketing team, plus creating a series of engaging campaigns to win over Californian home sellers with a totally foreign and untested method of sale. Not to mention designing a compelling counterattack to combat the ingrained US agent and consumer belief that selling by auction is reserved for distressed sales like bank foreclosures. This interview gives deep insight into the will, determination and focus required to take on any big challenge. So if you're looking for some next level inspiration to take your personal brand and results to the next level, I think you're going to love this session with Ben. And by the way, you can watch the video of my interview with Ben in the show notes at topagentsplaybook.com forward slash 151. If you listen to my recent interview with Melbourne's Glenn Catino, who moved to LA this year to run Harcourt's number one office in Beverly Hills, you might remember the stats Glenn shared for the last year. They auctioned 1,200 homes with a clearance rate of around 92% and days on market at 35 compared to an average of 120. And if that isn't delivering a better way to buy and sell real estate, I don't know what is. Harcourt's awesome marketing campaign invites real estate consumers and agents to rethink real estate. And in the last year, Harcourt's auction wings have spread to record auction results in Hawaii, Oregon, Nevada, and the Canadian province of British Columbia. And if that's not enough, Ben and his dynamic young team have their sights set on even greater challenges, which you're about to discover. 
All that and more coming right up. The Top Agents Playbook Podcast is proudly brought to you by Jiggler. Jiggler is the creative, do-it-yourself, online marketing platform top agents are flocking to. Build everything in minutes right on your desktop. From marketing flyers, reports, lead generators, and social media posts, Jiggler has hundreds of templates waiting for you to customize, download, and print or post. Get started today and try Jiggler free at Jiggler.com. That's J-I-G-G-L-A-R.com. Well, Ben Brady, welcome to the show. How are you going, my friend? Good, Ray. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak to you. As, uh, as you've shown me where you are at the moment, you're in a much nicer place than I am. Whereabouts are you? I'm down in Aliso Viejo in Southern California. Okay. Uh, people probably more close to Laguna Beach, which is probably a spot that everybody uh, can be familiar with. Yes, yes. Or Viejo, as my mum would call it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I thought I thought the names to pronounce here with the Spanish influence were difficult until I went to Hawaii doing some auctions over there. They are difficult names. Yeah. Yep. Um, La Jolla is a, is yes. a fun one. Yep. That is there's a fun some, one. There's some uh, there's some awesome place names. Ben, I wanted to get you on the show and thank you for your time uh, to tell us the Harcourt story. And before we press record, you you tell me you you just told me it was five years today. Since yep. you and your partner came to California, um, yes. so uh, you know, like we talk about California and the dream and Hollywood and and all of that, and a lot of people come and a lot of people fail um, to do whatever. And you guys have done it, and you're kicking goals. It's a it's a brilliant story. Can you just give us a bit of bit of backstory? Where did the whole idea to to come to California come from? Well, it starts off with a um, with a with a pretty young journey in real estate, Ray. In the sense that I was uh, fourteen and uh, barely can read and write, and and I am I am classified dyslexic, and uh, and I actually, without going to, into into the story too deep, I was given an opportunity after school to work for two gentlemen that owned some Harcourts offices uh, in the southwestern corridor of Brisbane. I grew up in Forest Lake, um, and uh, a lot of people call that place Anala Ponds if you're from Brisbane, but. Um, but the the uh, the opportunity came about for me to learn real estate while I was still doing school. And when I graduated high school, I definitely wasn't going to university. So uh, so real estate was just a natural fit for me. And then progressively, those gentlemen being from a Ray White background originally, they were doing just auction after auction after auction after auction after auction. And it certainly was um, one of the things that, even though I wasn't experienced in real estate, there was one categorical thing that I, I certainly knew from day one is that our business owner, who was also our auctioneer, was horrific at it. He was very, very bad. Nice. So, so progressively, as the process was was forced upon me, essentially, because that's really all they did as an organisation. They had three offices: Browns Plains, Forest Lake, and Centenary at the time. Um, once I uh, once I turned eighteen and was able to get my license, then obviously the onslaught of real estate began and gave me an opportunity because of financially doing so well in the very beginning and that young to get involved in the offices. We grew those offices to five offices and then um, and a, a quite a large rent roll. And then uh, the partnership dissolved. Um, right. Not from my perspective, but the two ge- uh, gentlemen this that is, were much much older is, than me. This is in Queensland. This is in Queensland, um, yep. uh, in the southwestern corridor of Brisbane, and uh, and that partnership dissolved. And the CEO of uh, the Harcourts Queensland at the time, 
um, that I'd gone through and won the novice auctioneer of Queensland and just a few other accolades in the auctioneering space as I progressed through that and understood the process in my own business and ran a majority auction business, which is quite odd for a Queensland-based business within Australia. Usually the southern states are a lot more progressive with auction. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, but certainly the CEO, Aaron Brooks, at the time gave me, a, gave me a call up and asked me if I could come in and sort of head up the auction procurement part of the corporate business of Queensland for Harcourts. And, um, and I did that and, and really, really honed my skills in listing presentation on a very large basis. Like I was doing in excess of 40 listing presentations a month. Um, converting nice. up marketing as as we know here in the United States and up in Canada isn't sort of something that they do is ask a seller for marketing but that was the skill set that I was yeah. helping people really harness yeah. and then an opportunity came up for me to be the chief auctioneer of Queensland and I sort of grew that business to calling 1600 auctions a year over about a three-year space and as you do when you get to that type of volume with any type of auctioneer business is that you start getting poached and Ray White knocked on my door and um, at that time uh, they offered me an opportunity and, and I sort of was seriously looking at it, knowing that Harcourts was growing, uh, whether it be South Africa, China, Indonesia, Fiji, you know, and over into the States, it was just something that was at the top of the mind for everybody. Um, Mike, I went to Mike Green, who was the managing director and owner of Harcourts, along with Paul Wright and, and, uh, and said to him, hey, this is my opportunity. And he's like, well, hey, look, we're not going to be able to match that, but here's an opportunity for you to do something that no one else has done. And we think that the marketplace is poised for it. And, and at that time, the conception of Harcourt's auctions was created and, uh, and Calista Green, who was, who was my better half in this situation, her and I were running the Queensland business and essentially came into the ownership of Harcourt's auctions, the auction entity of, of Harcourt's on an international perspective. And we took the opportunity to move to the United States after coming over here and doing a minimal feasibility, to be honest with you, because it was just something that clicked with us so early on coming over here, we knew that it was going to be hard. There was no mm. question about it to change the mindset. But I, I believe that Australians and New Zealanders enter the US and, and Canada marketplaces very arrogantly, thinking that we're going to continue to do it the way that we are going. We've already always done it. Mm -hmm. And when we moved over here, um, you know, we didn't, we weren't paid a salary to do so. We weren't paid anything. It was on our own financial basis to give this a crack. And you know, we got here and very quickly you know, understanding the MLS and the legal requirements and the disclosure laws and, you know, California being the litigious state that it is within the union yeah. is that the fact, the fact of the matter was is that we understood very quickly that, well, sorry, we were humbled incredibly quickly. Yeah. Um, and as you know, Ray, auctioneers certainly don't typically get hum humbled as quickly as that, no. certainly in Australian and New Zealand space. And I was humbled incredibly quickly at the fact that if I didn't, adapt and evolve and come up with a, um, a three-phase rollout or a multiple-phase rollout of this to gradually get to where we are now after five years and not all not complete even then after five years yeah. is that we were going to get eaten up eaten up and spat out very 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 quickly yeah well the industry the industry uh in in california would have loved you to loved you to fail Oh, mate, it's a constant thing already. It's still, yeah. it is a constant thing still that they would unbelievably love to see what we have done because, like, there is no doubt about it, and this is said uh, with all due offence to the industry, actually, is the fact that it is just so old school yeah. and, and outside of the box thinking, you know, like, you can applaud companies like Compass and EXP and all of these other different types of models because they really are 
you know, that you've got to outspend the problem. Now, yep. just so we're all aware is that I can't, I, I couldn't, nor could Callista, nor can Mike, um, being Mike Green, can we can't outspend the problem. We just have to outwork the problem and yep. make sure that we graduated it through in a number of phases, whereas we've seen people come into marketplaces and try auction in other marketplaces here in the States and also in Canada where they have gone in so aggressive in the sense that they weren't going to adapt to the climate of what was offered or graduate or, or they didn't want to hasten slowly through the process that it's just been unaccepted straight away. Yeah, yeah. We have this situation here in Canada and I, I know for a fact that it, it exists in many parts of North America where you have a still a very hot market, especially here in Toronto, uh, and you might have a very popular property. You might have five, ten interested parties. Uh, but there's a law here in, in this province, in Ontario, where the agent can't disclose or divulge what the other offer is. So it makes it pretty hard to to be able to negotiate a purchase. Now, there are some companies that are starting that are brave enough to to take it on, to take on auction and and make it work, and it's happening more and more. And I think it's going to become more and more mainstream. But um, it is it is a massive shift in thinking for for many generations that have that have sold you know bought and sold real estate that way. Um, what was the what was the biggest challenge and and I got I got about five questions here in one but um, was your was your push was it consumer led did you appeal to consumers or did you market to agents? We were we. It's funny the 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 most the question I get the most because of the success that we've had so far and I'll take you through the phase rollout of what we did to give you an understanding of of how it worked uh-huh. from our capacity now but. The number one question that I get now is that why are you not white labeling this or why are you still with Harcourts? Like this is this needs to be given to the masses. Yeah. Now, the reason I give most people um, is the fact is that we have an opportunity that the group was small enough at the time in order to make sure that we could control it. Yeah. Now, in the sense that, for example, one of the things that uh, that now a Harcourts agent over the past three past three years has had to go through a two-day auction accreditation course. They have to do ongoing learning. We manage the process from a standpoint of quality control from a corporate entity being Harcourts Auction. Okay. Because when it comes to someone's largest asset, the thing that we saw is the terminology auction in North America is seen in such distress, mm-hmm. is seen in such a different light than what it is in Australasia in the sense that in the sense we had to make sure that they understood that this wasn't a cowboy show. Yep. We had to show them from a corporate perspective is that there is quality control, there is policies and procedures in place, and they are not allowed to offer auction if they don't do it a particular way because there is still no legislation in California or any place in the United States that legislates any type of auction. Yep, Whereas here. in Australia, you have to actually do it one way yep. based on the principle that it is legislated by a government basis or that state basis. Now, yep. The phase rollout that we looked at is that, first of all, we spent six months um, with the Californian Association of Realtors Attorneys going through contracts and making sure that we had the appropriate approvals on that perspective. Then we had to go and tackle each individual MLS that we wanted to do auctions in to make sure that we abide by the MLS rules. And and for those listeners that um, that are in Australia or New Zealand that don't have the have an MLS, the reality is is that that is a very, very litigious process in the sense that it's not a governing body, but it's a law that the property has to be added into that. Yep. 
And so we needed to make sure that we still fit into all of those categories in order to then syndicate through to the Zillow's, Trulia, Redfin's, the Realtor.com's, all those different portals that people see from. Now, I know that Canada's a little bit different from that perspective, but and I'll get to um, the guys up in Canada shortly, but we needed to make sure that we had all of that buttoned up on a legal perspective because the one thing that we knew that we were getting into is the Sue Happy world of the United States. Mm-hmm. So either way, that was one thing that we had to iron out. The thing that we really took for granted was the factors of the amount of pre-work that needed to be done in order to get a what is called a non-contingent or unconditional, if we're using Australian and New Zealand terminologies, or subject-free if we're using Canadian terminology, in the sense that to get them ready to bid at auction. So one of the things that we implemented was the fact that anything that would happen in escrow, Um, which is the sort of the under contract term um, of being with solicitors or conveyances or whatever it may be, regarding where you are, is that going into escrow, we had to do a home inspection, termite, natural hazard disclosure, preliminary title, all the normal statutory disclosures that happen in the contingency period for people to become comfortable closing on that property. And the other thing that we had to get used to as well, unlike a lot of other places, is that you can pull out of the deal basically right up until it closes here in the United States. So we needed to needed to make sure that we understood all of those contract obligations as well. So getting people to actually invest any type of money in respect to the cost of doing all of those disclosures and reports up front is between 500 to, you know, maybe $2,000 depending on the size and the price of the property. And that was just so foreign to people yep. that they getting money out of people up front and they didn't understand the reasons why we were asking them to pay for it, to give that commitment in order for them to actually make sure that, you know, they had some skin in the game, so on and so forth. So that was one of the first problems that we had. However, that is always easily solved when you tell them that I'll go and do it for you. Yep. Now, we were also in a marketplace here in Southern California that probably was on par with what Toronto or North Vancouver or whatever it is now. The reality is, is that the market was really, really good. So the thing that we also struggled upon entry was the fact of the instant gratification that comes out of somebody selling real estate so quickly and not worrying about whether it's the best buyer, first buyer or the best buyer yeah. never even existed. It was, well, it doesn't matter. I got it sold, didn't I? It was never a principle. Yeah. So therefore, we had to go through that process of giving people the opportunity to say, well, do you care about your client? Do you want to give transparency? Do you yeah. want to make sure the buyers give every chance? You know, and, and we had to go through the education platform and the education platform took us another six months. So of our agents in a captive audience being hardcore of roughly around probably 300 agents at the time spread over Southern California, majority of those being in San Diego and Orange County. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that we benefited from from being in our geographical location to start is that our average sale price is incredible. You know, our average auction sale price at the moment sits somewhere over over $2.2 million on the coast of Southern California, which helps us yeah. uh, based on the factor that, you know, you're dealing with people with certain types of equity, so on and so forth. But the challenge came in the lower price point later. However, we all knew that when we started off this process, the one thing that we did, we did five auctions and we wanted to just then see how they went and then we wanted to chew through them. A couple of learnings in that in that uh, 0.5 stage of the rollout phase was, first of all, the word auction attracts people because ultimately it means, holy shit, there's a deal. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. they come running to that property. Now, now, I commonly use the notion of that 
um, people would say, well, won't people think it's a deal? Well, yes. Have you ever met somebody that wants to overpay for real estate? And our biggest objective as a real estate agent is not to sell your home. It's to manage greed on both a buyer's and a seller's perspective yep. and we'll manage greed on a buyer's perspective, manage fear on a seller's perspective. So therefore showing them that type of salesman or skillship in understanding the transactional basis of real estate really resonated with our clientele. Like they're like, oh, hang on, you've actually got a plan rather than just price it at a traditional price and come back and see me when it suits you for a price reduction. Then we had to remove the lockbox from the situation, right? Okay, so we put a policy in place that 99% of showings had to go through the open house itself. Then we had to put the policy in place, and this is only coming from a corporate perspective and why we still maintain with Harcourts to come from that leadership perspective and mandating perspective almost a dictatorship almost with this process to keep the integrity of it because you yes. know better than most is the fact that as soon as you deviate from the integrity... Don't fluff it up. Don't fluff it up. Absolutely. So either way, we were able to manage that. And yes, we off-put about half of our agents. 150 out of the 300 wouldn't even talk about it, whatever it may be, till yeah. they started to see the success. But, but we did five properties... The thing that we found is that a great deal of people came to them. The second thing was is that nobody took names at the front door. It was such a foreign concept until we trained them on how to do that. Then the follow-up of those people was just foreign because they were represented by another buyer's agent. They really were sitting in the dark in a traditional process wondering whether or not someone was interested or they weren't. So the follow-up was foreign. Then reporting back to your seller, the one thing I will maintain, Ray, and I'll take this to my absolute grave, is the fact that the US and Canadian marketplace have never been taught to educate a client. No. Ever. It's, it's, it's a game of US postal service of taking what the client says back to the sellers mm -hmm. and basically there is no education in the process and if the seller doesn't like it, the agent's like, okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually quantifying the educational process of that. pro. And now we're in a marketplace where they're like, well, that doesn't need to happen because everything sells. Mm. So showing them that auction's best in a good marketplace to create transparency and a negotiation up with no ceiling but then now in this marketplace that we're currently in, which is very docile in Southern California, certainly in the high end, is that it's showing them the factors of that, well, this is the quickest way to educate a seller in a shortest period of time. Yeah. So anyway, the first five we did, the other thing that we found as well, so in Queensland, you would use the auction process of nobody turning up and no registered bidders to educate your seller on market. Nobody wants to buy your property at any price, okay? Whereas here, when you're trying to build a platform and, and the integrity of that platform around the factor of standing out the front of a home and nobody turning up, you have neighbours turn up. They're like, oh, well, auctions clearly don't work because they don't understand the process. Then you have the seller going, well, this didn't work. And then you have the agent, the listing agent going, well, this didn't work. Then you have other Harcourts agents that we had a whole office turn up to one of our first auctions expecting 300 people and 50 registered bidders on it just because it said auction. They're like, well, clearly this didn't work. So then we always had to keep digging ourselves out of that hole. So then we implemented the rule in phase one of the process is the fact that if we didn't have registered bidders by 5 p.m. the day before auction, the property would be postponed or mm -hmm. be cancelled to help with understanding the process. And that was what took the most amount of time is getting the agents to grasp that a sale before the auction, on the day of auction or quickly after was still a success based on the leverage of a negotiation app. Okay. As you can see, mate, I get quite passionate about the process because just a little bit, and for a guy and for a guy that can't read and write and who's dyslexic, you're not doing a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, I knew I could. I knew I could talk under wet cement with marbles in my mouth, so that was my only go-to. That's crazy. But, um, but, but, mate, the the thing, uh, like, like the thing that 
I, I suppose it's it's almost like in my closest friends in Australia, Mitch Periboom, who's the chief auctioneer of Ray, Ray White in Queensland now, and would call the second most auctions in Australia is, is my closest mate, and I speak to him twice a day. So I still have a very firm grasp of what's happening in Australia. And and he understands the frustration of that if he talks to anybody or I talk to anybody in Australia, and he's like, oh, yeah, but you just turn up as an auctioneer, don't you? And you just, you know, you just call the numbers. And yeah. that's not, not the case <laughs> in the sense that, well, from a corporate nature, I come from the nature of being the chief auctioneer of Harcourts, Queensland, where I had a limited number of people that I could deal with on a daily basis because I was exclusive. Yep. So therefore, I had to nurture that process through. Certainly in the Queensland marketplace, it was almost like doing auctions in the US because it isn't a prevalent thing. Yep. And the, 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 one of the things that, that we really had to come to the notion of here is that we charge 0.5% of the sale price with a minimum fee of $2,500 only if the property sells before, on the day or within 60 days after. Because we not only help them list the property, we help them gather all the disclosures and all of the operational portion of the business. We then also walk them through the process of the four to five weeks of ed education to the buyers, agents, buyers, the sellers, all of those things. We have a designated auction director and then we have the auction day itself and then we have the team that helps them after auction if it doesn't get that ultimate result all the way through. And it's funny, Ray, the, the, the thing that, that when I go back to Australia and I talk about this process, and as you can see, I can get very wound up about the whole thing, is that my success rate here with auctions in the United States is over 90%. Yeah, right? 92, I think Glenn said, 1,200 auctions. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it, yeah. it's just slipped. It's just Days on market, slipped. 35 or something compared to an average of 120. I mean, that's a success story right there. Well, if you can compare it to any Australian or New Zealand marketplace, that it, let's say it's, it's, it's even humming, you know, you still don't like Sydney when it was really humming that marketplace. It still mm -hmm. wasn't really over 90% clearance. Yeah. But the reality was is that it's funny how, like, and this is what we train on in Australia when I go back and I get asked to talk is that, guys, the reason I'm so successful with this process is not because of any other reason, but we basically remove the agent out of the process. They're the only part of it that gets in the way yep. because they're too attached to the outcome yeah yeah interesting so if you point. just if you just run the process it works 90 odd percent of the time now the thing that i wasn't ready for right here in this marketplace that i didn't deal with in australia is how financially sound some people are here in the united states okay and literally the comment that i would get all the time ben i'll set it on fire okay i don't need it Okay. You know, like I, I will not take it unless I get this price. Mm -hmm. And usually in Australia, that means that there's some wiggle room, there's some negotiation, there's something. Where it's here, it's just no. I don't need to sell it, Ben. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. don't understand. It's one of fifty homes, or it's one yeah. of you know the financial, um, the, the financial capability of a lot of our clients is certainly something that, you know, there isn't that flexibility there. You've just got to prove marketplace to them so 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 much more. Yep. Yep. One of the things, one of the things I'm interested to ask you as well, Ben, is, um, uh, I, you know, I have this philosophy with real estate that, and, and hence my love of auction and, you know, I come from Melbourne and I'm an auctioneer, but, um, uh, there is no recommended retail price on property. You know, is that home worth 720 or is it worth 770? Um, uh, how do you market the, um, what can I say, the exciting emotional potential of 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 a sale by auction the, videos the thing, i guess well on a marketability standpoint ray is i i say 
I say this very commonly is the fact is that please don't overhype the reality in the sense that you don't offer anything different to any other agent. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to put it on the MLS and you're going to syndicate and really hope that somebody comes along and ultimately pays the money that the seller wants so that therefore you don't have have to have 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 a tough conversation. What we need to look at is that how do we gather the most amount of people through the front door of the property? And the one thing that, that we use on the auction perspective is the fact that it really comes back down to price. The best yeah. property in the world remains unsold based on price. And the, and the reality with the auction process and how we market the property here in the United States is that, <coughs> excuse me, we do a bidding to start from on the property that is incredibly lower than what the market value is. Now, we can't market it at zero like we do in Australia or New Zealand or in some of the marketplaces in Canada that we do that stuff in with an off-market sale. However, we can't market it at zero. However, we tried it at zero for a few times in certain places. And it's funny how reliant the other agents and the public is in respect to price. They Mm -hmm. are reliant because they've never been used to seeing something without a price tag in this country. Yep. Or, you or say zero, you mean you, you, you've marketed it without a price? Without a price, mate. Yes, yep. they're correct. Okay. So gotcha. we've got the MLS that we need to go through in order to make sure that we regulate with them in order to get the maximum exposure and people through. Um, so therefore, MLS needs a price. In, um, 99.9% of MLSs, because there's only one in Oregon that I know of that actually doesn't require a price. But okay. either way, the, the, the price is required. Now, we tried it in that marketplace in Oregon without a price, but people just weren't coming through because they didn't understand well, what was it? So we do it at a bidding to start from price. Basically, we take into consideration all the comparables within the area that are not sold on the marketplace currently. Then we look at every other area that might be a possibility where people would look in this area if they thought they could afford it or, or, or it was a really good opportunity. We take advantage to go back to your question with the marketing side of it is that with a price tag on it, it takes seven days. And Zillow actually put out these statistics. It takes seven days for the entire local marketplace to see that property because of syndication from the MLS and also through Zillow and Trulia and all of those places. The local marketplace sees it, sees it within seven days. Okay. Then every price reduction that you do, it only takes you, you only get a spike of interest, a minimal spike of interest within three days. So ultimately, if you're running the most effective process in the world, you would put the property on the marketplace. First price reduction would come at around day seven then you would do a price reduction every three days leading forward if you were going to captivate that local marketplace. Now, with auction, how we do it, because the price is such an attraction point, regardless of where you are, like, for example, I'm in Aliso Viejo, where our office is based now. If I'm looking in Aliso Viejo, I'm looking in Mission Viejo, I'm looking in Laguna Niguel, I'm hoping to get closer to the coast, maybe in Dana Point or whatever it is where some of our offices are. Now, I see this thing, auction, that pops up in the local marketplace, and I'm like, well, hang on a second, Bidding to start from more prices at X amount of dollars, that's too good for me not to look at. Yep. Got to get on your list. Yeah, well, we gathered actually all of this information from a third-party marketing company. When we first got here for the first six months, everybody that came to the open house would sign off or give us approval that they were happy for a third-party marketing company to survey them. We surveyed them and we found that 90% of all people that saw the word auction would go to that property before looking at else. Because I often say that your home is never on the marketplace in isolation. It is on the marketplace within competition. And you can either outprice or outprofile that competition. We're doing both with auction. Yep. Okay. And then you tie it all into the factors of, and I, and, and I put it to a seller in, a, in an advanced auction explanation, is that Mr. and Mrs. Seller, we could put a sign at the front of your property that says, I won't sell it unless I get my price. I'll rent the property if I have to. Um, all of the things that you've just told me, but how many people do you think would come through the door? Well, not many. 
But if I put the word auction, I put even luxury auction on the sign, for some reason there is an inherent ability to get people through the door based on the principle that they might be able to get an offer. So what my job is, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, is that real estate works in a very contradicting way. And I believe that auction is the perfect contradiction to deal with it, is that we need to feed the greed in order to get people through the door. And then once we get them to the door, then we need to manage that greed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And auction is the perfect way to do that. Auction feeds the greed, but then yep. through the set time frame, the set date, okay, on the sale of the property, it stops procrastination. The volume of people creates a fear of loss. And it takes away those characteristics of a buyer dictating to you and you start dictating to them. Yep. And, and that's from a perspective of a, a process is the marketing scheme, not what you do, process. Yeah. Yeah, I love that explanation. Um, how many how many auctions involve another agent, like a buyer's agent, who's not from Harcourt, say? Um, it would be probably about 70% of our auctions. Okay. Um, there was a time that it was 50%. But what we've seen, Ray, is that the thing that this is, again, and I know that I'm all over the place, but in our phase two, phase one of the rollout was to get the word accepted yep. and to get, we were selling about 80% of our properties prior to auction. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we were doing, we were doing them all on site. So therefore, the reality was is that um, we were postponing a lot of them because we didn't have registered bidders and so on and so forth. So therefore, it was becoming a gimmick in the local marketplace that, oh, they don't really do an auction. Phase two then was going down the path of persistence. So for example, is phase two was to push more of the properties to auction. However, the other thing that we had to do in phase two, it was more internal is start convincing our agents again of the process because they do one, wouldn't sell. They think it's a failure. And we commonly use the analogy within our organization is that, well, you didn't, have you ever not sold a traditional sale? Well, of course. Well, you did that again. Why wouldn't you give auction another shot? Yeah. We had to constantly continue to pick them up. And again, all within our network is much more manageable. Then we can gradually scale. Okay. Through the principles. And then phase two was picking them back up but it was also then graduating to doing more of the properties at auction. So what we have done in phase two, we've actually opened up our San Diego auction room and we've opened up our Orange County auction room, doing roughly you know 40 to 50 auctions at any one time. Um, within those rooms, we're doing it once every two weeks and they all go to that one environment and we do an auction regardless of registered bidders or not on that property within that climate on a logistic perspective, it works beautifully and we can manage the environment a lot more but from that perspective is that now it is no longer a gimmick in the marketplace. And to get back to your point is that how many of them are double-ended, so to speak, or use another agent, it, go, it fluctuates. So, for example, when we first bring auction to a marketplace, so, for example, like Reno, uh, when we took it up there because one of our number one offices in, in the United States is in Reno, Nevada, with a very low average sale price, we took it there and about 80% of all of our properties were double-ended because the consumer went direct to the property then because the agents were saying, stay away from this gimmick. It's just another auction thing. There might be a buyer premium attached, which by the way, we don't charge a buyer premium manage our own greed when we got here, but, but, but like, Oh, don't go to it. So the consumer is like, they're telling me not to go to this could be a really good deal. So they'd go around it. So it came down to persistence in the sense that the longer we were in a marketplace, the more accepted we were because they were seeing that this isn't, this is not going away. A great example here in the United States marketplace is short sales. Yep. Short sales, when they first started coming in, there was like, oh, I'm not touching them. There's so much more work and no way and no, no way. Then they were the only thing. Mm-hmm. That's all they had, had to do it. Yep. So we use the same philosophy is that our job is really to pick our own agents up again and push the process, push process, push process, push process. 
and gradually the marketplace comes to the terminology that well these aren't going anywhere i'm going to have to do them and all right fine uh, yeah okay i don't have as much control but we still compensate the buyer's agent fully one of our policies that an, our listing agents sign off is that they don't offer any less than two and a half percent to the listing agent now canada has a different philosophy and in their uh, representation because yep. yep. of their different splits but the reality is is that that is mandatory across the board as we don't go below industry standards for buyer compensation buyer's okay. agent compensation okay um vpa vpa is something that um we've dabbled in from time to time but essentially our first battle was the seller pays for all of the home inspection termite or any of the disclosures or reports that happen up front Right. Typical cost of an auction is about $1,200, which, okay. uh, as you know, Ray, being over here, this side of the world, that's an incredible contribution from the seller yep. to get them to pay for that. Um, however, uh, we've graduated into uh, further marketing in respect to social marketing through Zillow, through um, through um, uh, Google, through all of these things that we added an additional package of about $800 um, that seller has an option to execute on that. Then also on an international perspective as well, we have some international streams being an international real estate company. They can choose to add on if they'd like to do so. Um, so we do get VPA out of sellers probably about 30% of the time at the moment, hopefully graduating that percentage upwards as we go on. Because again, we're in the really the fourth phase of our rollout that's probably about 10 steps long and it's yeah. five years old. Yeah, how exciting. Well, I think once once your clients can understand the power of making a making a marketing contribution, um, it'll uh, it'll it'll just gain a life of its own. Tell me about your foray into BC, into Canada and Vancouver and what's going on up there. So um, up into uh, up into Canada, we've got two guys up there that are the owners of the organisation up there. We've got the one office in North Vancouver, Vancouver Greg Paddy and um, Theo Berkner. And um, they, uh, we had Hayden Duncan, who was the CEO of Harcourts New Zealand, go up there and try auctions. And with all due respect to Hayden, they failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hayden was a proponent of the fact that he wasn't going to change a thing. Um, now, we assisted Hayden in the rollout because we'd been here for about three, uh, two years rather, when he went up to Canada. And we assisted him in the rollout, but he was so staunch on the factor of that, no, I'm not going to do it any differently to New Zealand. Um, and that was a problem in the marketplace. The marketplace locally rejected it completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it really pushed back in a big way. And it wasn't because it didn't, it wasn't the right thing. It was because, well, no, this is too different. And instead of saying and accommodating the agents in the, sec- in the, in the perspective of getting their feedback, it was more, no, this is how it's going to be done regardless. You can either yeah. do it or you don't. And they really, regardless of whether people think that the client makes a decision, the, the other agent is a big proponent in making that decision. Yeah. So, so we, what we did, we came back and we relaunched auction once Greg and Theo took over the business. And one of the ones that we did from the very beginning was, was, was so tempting to them. It was a property in Sandringham in north of Vancouver that we actually ended up getting an incredible amount over what the seller's expectations and what localised sales were by running the process absolutely correctly in the sense that, you know, we ran the open houses, we got the details, we gave the feedback to the sellers, we educate, we took the time to educate the local community that, no, you will be compensated if you bring your people. Um, we went in, did it in the MLS itself so that, therefore, they could see it was accepting of the local systems. We respected the local marketplace to an extent. Yep. So. Either way, but we st- stuck with the integrity of the process. Seven registered bidders on the day, blow out the reserve. It was a great live auction. Now, that's the rose petal story. The, last, the next five after that didn't sell under the hammer. You know, it was a process of 
offers before auction, offers straight after auction, getting it educated correctly and getting the client educated. But it came back down to the understanding of the localized agents from our perspective, a small conglomerate of our Harcourt's agent running the integral process of it and having the quality control of one of our auction staff all the way along in order to make sure that that was stuck to. Now, the thing that I will say is that my viewpoint is that Canada is a lot easier to do auctions in because it is a lot more similar to Australia and New Zealand's way of doing real estate. Uh-huh. Okay, um, From a perspective of they're used to the non-unconditional offers or waiving of, of terms and waiving of conditions and all of that type of stuff where the US are not used to that at all. Even if I'm a cash purchaser that doesn't care whether the home is standing upright or it's not, Mm-hmm. They still put their contingency period in. Yep. It's just na- it's yep. just by nature. So that was yep. one of the huge pushbacks. So we didn't have a lot of struggle with the North Vancouver marketplace or Vancouver in general. It was very adapting of it once we showed that we were polite to the industry in that sense. Yeah, yep. understand, understand. Mate, that's awesome. Um, congratulations. It's just been such a must. The last five years must feel like five months. I guess it's flown by pretty quickly, hey. And um, and 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 you've been driving it. So, so what are the plans from here? Uh, you're in. You mentioned Nevada. You mentioned Oregon. Um, California is a huge market, obviously. What else is going on? Washington, Hawaii is also um, there okay. as well. It's interesting. Every time you do a, you you do another state, it's honestly like taking auction to another country with the MLSs yeah. and different contracts and disclosures. Um, yeah. Canada is obviously there, and we have a huge view with Canada. I, just, I love the I love the Canadian marketplace and the way that it does real estate. I think that it's just prime for it. However, the one thing that we are doing at the moment is we're hastening slowly yet again and bringing ourselves back a, a, a step. Um, We've actually just launched, Ray, if you go into the um, App Store or Android, uh, Harcourt's Auctions, a bidding app. Now, one of the things that we've done on a logistic perspective is that we were flying up to Oregon, Washington, Hawaii, and Canada and doing live auctions there. We've actually now progressed that all of our auctions happen in our Southern California locations in the sense of San Diego or Orange County. Once we get to a certain capacity within a certain local marketplace, then we open up what is called our live auction room. Now, in that live auction room, it is equipped with cameras um, that we actually simulcast and live stream all of our bidding. Um, and all of our live auctions. So therefore, for example, our auction that we had in Orange County yesterday, we had properties from Oregon, Washington. We had properties from Hawaii. We had, um, we've got ones in Canada that are coming up as well in our next auction in San Diego, where all of the auctions are done within that individual location. And if somebody would like to bid on those properties, um, they can do so through the app, through live stream real time. Um, because what one thing that we took in one of our third phases of our rollout is when we were doing so many of the auctions, we were noticing more and more and more as people were opting to bid via the phone. Yep. And I don't like, I'd never have liked phone bidding because the reality is it really does take away from the transparent nature of what things are. Mm-hmm. So therefore, on a transparency basis, we wanted to make sure that if somebody's in China, somebody's in Canada, somebody's in Oregon doing that auction, they're probably likely to bid over the phone anyway, but why not have the live stream and the ability to bid over the app? If in fact, in a live nature, because we look at things like an analog and a digital for time frame, we've got an analog analog um, part of it being that I'm still there calling the auction a live auction capacity and still having that emotional draw point and negotiating the deal and all of the aspects that still work that I still don't believe auction will ever work successfully on an online perspective for an emotional purchase that is real estate. Uh-huh. Then you look at then you look at the principle of the digital side of it that we still have it live streamed in real time and you can bid regardless of where you are in the world over the app or on the desktop on our on our on our website harcourtsauctions.com. 
So either way, we're really excited about the principle to do. Basically, we're, we love the fact that day in, day out in this business that we are trailblazing blazing right. Every step of the way, no one's done what you we are. did. You are. 100% you are. Yeah. And, you know, now we have an auction, auction business that auctions properties in one location from all around North America. You know, and we're selling those properties as well. It's not just the, the gimmick of telling people we're doing it. We're selling those properties. Yeah. Property in Hawaii, sold it the other day through the platform, you know, all of that type of stuff. But through the live bidding of somebody in the room and somebody digitally, you know, it, it works on that, that succinct basis. But the other thing that we're very, very excited about that I have to give Callista the full props about, because this is another phase of our rollout, is that she's actually just designed and it's in the final stages of completion, and we're rolling it out here shortly, a world-first system. It's called My Auction. Um, it's our back-end system. It, well, when I say back-end, it's our front-end system. That ultimately, when a, when a property is booked through an auction here through our booking link, there's a number of things that have to be completed in order to prepare the paperwork for auction. Then it goes through in it, and it automates the steps of getting those things, the disclosures and everything ready for that property. But then it goes a step further and starts communicating with the seller to educate them along the way with the process to help the agent because the more touch points they have, the more peace of mind they have that they're seeing the marketplace when it turns up. But it also prompts our auction team's action so there's consistency in service as we drive volume. But then it also prompts the agent. For example, if I've got a property on a Monday morning, I'll get a text message from the system saying, hey, Ben, I know you've got your follow-up today for, from the open house that you had yesterday on Sunday. Here, remember, here's the script for the follow-ups. These are four different scripts. Don't forget to ask these questions here. If you need somebody from the auction team, just contact us and we'll contact any of the interested parties, so on and so forth. Yep. Right? So on, like, there's just so many different steps that it prompts to keep the integrity of the process because, as I said, one of the key findings and learnings in all of this, Ray, is the fact that you, know, you remove the agent from the process and you just have the auction team. Um, it, it doesn't work because you'd still need the hand-on emotional aspect of the sale of that property. Yep. But the reality is, is that we've taken more of the actions away from the listing agent and our success rate is higher. It just comes back down to integrity of process. So that system is being rolled out as well, as well as our centralized bidding app and, and live streaming um, to, uh, to really allow us to then scale. Like we were at a capacity of, you know, 350 auctions at any one time as a team. Now we've got the capacity for 30,000. So we're ready nice. to grow. Nice, that's exciting. Yep. So let's wrap up. If I'm a if I'm a realtor in uh, in California or in one of those areas, and I want to uh, I, I want to know more, how do I reach out to you? What's the What's the best way? One of the best ways to do so. Um, my role now has changed. I'm the regional director for Harcourt Pacific um, here in the United States, which is sort of controlling Harcourt as a franchise organisation and and Harcourt's auctions and overseeing uh -huh. the both of them. Jason Scott is our director of auctions. Callista being the operations manager of Harcourt's auctions. Um, but our easiest way to contact is just by going to harcourtsauctions.com and you've got all of our details there. Um, not to mention as well, have a look at our properties, watch in on one of our auctions, download the app, whatever you'd like to do. And we're here. Uh, and one of the things we do on a daily basis is inform agents that are outside of our network about auction. So we're happy to have a conversation with anybody. Fantastic. Well, I've had a look at your site. I love your, I love the explainer page that you have uh, on auction. It's, uh, I can, after speaking to you, I can hear, I can see that you've had a little bit, a little bit of input into that. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's first class. Uh, so I'll, I'll include a link uh, in the show notes, but uh, a big thank you and congratulations. Thanks, mate. Appreciate you having me on. It's no coincidence real estate's top agents use real estate's best software. 
Locked On is so popular with top producers because it's laden with features, but so easy to use at the same time. Backed by the number one support team in the industry, agents say Locked On is fast, reliable, and like having two assistants. If your real estate software and systems are holding you back, why not experience the ultimate cloud-based solution and take your productivity to the next level? To get your free 30-day trial and for special discount for life deal, go to LockedOn.com forward slash Ray. 